If you dream of changing the world, but you're not sure where to start, the Add Value to Entrepreneurs podcast will help you transform your life and business. This podcast is for entrepreneurs who want more freedom and fulfillment from their work so they can live the life that they desire. You deserve it, and it is possible. It's time for you to add value. Are you struggling with stress? Do you feel like life is out of control? Do you run out of time to get your to-do list tackled? Well, we have a special gift for you. Stop by addvaluemindset.com and claim your free gift today. Well, I'm excited for today's guest, Lisa Wilbur and Jeff West, because they're our first returning guests. Jeff West is the award-winning author of The Heartwarming Business Fable, The Unexpected Tour Guide, winner of the Bronze Level Award in the Business Fable category from Axiom Business Book Awards in 2015, and recipient of kind endorsements from best-selling authors Bob Berg, Brian Tracy, and Tom Hopkins. His latest parable, Said the Lady with the Blue Hair, co-authored with direct sales legend Lisa M. Wilbur, will be released in December of 22. Lisa Wilbur started selling Avon on Guam at the age of 18. By 1986, she had sold part-time while working other jobs, including as a convenience store clerk and secretary. When she was laid off and couldn't find another job, she turned her Avon side gig into a full-time business. She has been an Avon U.S. top 10 money earners for more than two decades, currently at number five. Lisa Wilbur and Jeff West, our first time returning guests. Today, they are on the show with Noel and Robert to talk about their new book, Said the Lady with the Blue Hair. We learned some inside secrets like where the title came from and how they created this direct sales parable to serve people. Lisa wants to empower women with the possibility that they can earn their own income and not be stuck in a bad situation by someone else's decisions. Well, Jeff and Lisa, I am so excited for today's show, and I just can't wait to uh, share about the projects you guys are working on together and the launch you have coming up. And, you know, lots to celebrate today. You, Jeff and Lisa, are our first repeat guests and the first guests to come back as a duo. So um, I'm not sure what that means, but <laughs> we're going to celebrate we're going to celebrate everything we can celebrate. Yeah, I forgot my cape, though. If we're, I don't know if we're the dynamic duo, I, will, I forgot my cape. So. Oh, I like Ooh, it. My, mine's right there. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Nice. I like it. Well, so obviously, Lisa and Jeff, you guys are are, are are friends, and you've been you know part of the Go Giver Network, and I think that's that's probably where you met, um, and and now you're because of that relationship, because of that network and connection, um, you, you're collaborating on a project. And so would you tell us about the project and, and what you're doing? You want to start, Lisa? Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, we met on one of the Zoom calls. And um, I'll, I'll tell you that little story because it's it's how we got to do this project together. Um, I happened to have blue hair the day that we met. And matter of fact, that's on my horizon again. So, <laughs> uh, but I was on this call and I was a little bit intimidated because a lot of the people are very professionals and I am too, but I'm the Avon lady. So I'm thinking to myself, I've got blue hair. I've got to say something about the blue, blue hair. So I just said, you know what, if you want to have less judgment about other people, you got to dye your hair blue. This is working for me. When I go to the grocery store and look around and I see a lady in a tight skirt, I'm thinking, 
look at that lady's tight skirt said the lady with the blue hair. And I said it just like that. And in the comment section on the Zoom, Jeff said that would make a great book title. And then he he followed through with it. <laughs> I actually fought you on that a little bit, didn't I? You did. It took us it took us about a year to make the decision to move forward, I think. Or at least pretty close. But uh yeah, I had I had I've written books before and my favorite thing to do is write parables. And my favorite parable duo of authors is Bob Berg and John David Mann with the Go-Giver series. It's been hugely successful, so uh, well over a million copies just of the original Go-Giver book, and there's sequels to it. And then uh, John David Mann and his wife, Anna Gabriel Mann, did the Go-Giver marriage together. So it's, it's just, I like writing parables. Uh, I always say John's the best storyteller we have in the country today or in the world, probably. But as I was making some shifts in my own business model over the year, I decided I wanted to try to duplicate that model. And I had talked to John about it. And I talked to Bob about it and kind of what they did. So uh, basically from that mentorship, I started reaching out to people that I knew that, uh, that had uh, networks of their own that they had already established that had, uh, that were someone, they were someone that I felt like I could relate to and I, I had respect for them. And so I, Lisa was actually the first person I reached out to. And I said, would you be interested in taking some of the material that you teach your team anyway in sales? And then we worked together and I turned that into a parable. And she said, yes, fortunately. And so we began the journey of uh, said the lady with the blue hair. And basically what it amounts to is it, it's some of the exact principles that Lisa's been teaching for years inside her Avon organization and in other ways, too. And just it, and uh, it also addresses some issues that are really going to the heart of who she is and some things that she thinks very important. So we just talked and, and began that process. And uh, it, it's been a, it's been a very joyful collaboration and the book's ready. Now we're just, uh, we're pre-launching uh, pre-orders are May or excuse me, November 1st. And then the, the book release will be December 1st. But, uh, and then what happens after we finish the book, Lisa begins to do her magic. Oh gosh. <laughs> The, the, the Facebook launch team alone is getting close to 900 members now that want to help us promote the book. So that's just really strong. And so I, my hat's always off to her on those kind of things. Well, when it comes to marketing, Lisa's, Lisa's kind <laughs> of a, a, a go-getter. We'll call her a go-giver in lots of areas, but a go-getter when it comes to marketing. You, you know what I don't think, Jeff, maybe you didn't know either is uh this is how I, when I do something that works, I do it over and over. And right. um, I amassed an army a couple other times to get something done. The summer camp where my kid was going is expensive. And I wanted to send my kid's birth sister. And it's like $1,600 for two weeks or something. But they were giving away a free uh, two-week thing if you got enough votes on online. And I thought, that's beautiful. I could do that. <laughs> and, and we actually got it. And, and some of the other parents were uh, complaining because they made really spectacular videos. They went all out making the videos, but I had the connections. So we right. won, even though our video was like 20 seconds of me and the kid just standing right here doing it. <laughs> so I, to me, it's always about involving enough people to get the job done. So that's what I'm hoping to do with this is have a lot of people involved. Right. Well, go ahead. And say it's, it's a very easy read and I've definitely enjoyed um, reading it. We, we read together in the car. Well, so I read while he drives. Um, She's my audible. 
There you go. <laughs> I, but I will, I will say there are many times of laughter and sensing, you know, I, I know Lisa a little bit through, you know, through these calls and just in hearing her come through, but then there's also times of, of joy and tears that, that we've felt and we definitely can sense that in your writing. Well, that that's a, one of the highest compliments you could ever pay me because uh, as a writer and author, uh, I want to, to take people on a journey and, uh, ideally, in every book I ever do, I want them laughing. I want them learning. I want them to have a tear every now and then because if you can touch them emotionally, they're going to retain the lesson. And that, you know, Lisa gave me so much freedom. We we would go back and forth a little bit on, on uh, some of the chapters because there's some certain things that Lisa has some definite spin on that, that are right on the money. But she really gave me the freedom to write the story and make it play out. And and we interviewed each other and we used a lot of. A lot of us in, in the story too, but there's just a whole lot of fiction that we wanted to create. Uh, we wanted to create something special that we think will last. Well, I obviously your target is direct selling marketing. That those are the principles that that you're you're focused on, and yet those principles apply to almost any sales you know business or sales position really. Right. Um, and so I think your your experience in sales played well into, into expanding those principles and, and, and living out the sharing the story in a, you know, in, in a real way that, that people can relate to. Um, so I think that makes the book really powerful. Thank you. I know it was Lisa's uh, principles that we went on. And, and uh, Lisa, how long have you been teaching those in your team? Oh, I'm, yeah, I've been building a team since 1992. So it's right. More than just yesterday. Yeah. I obviously was a, I was a wee child when I started, obviously. (laughs) Yeah. Clearly. 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 So obviously what's, what's your guiding, what's your guiding purpose? What what do you want the book to be able to, to do? What's the impact you want to make? Oh, yeah. I actually have a big opinion of that. <laughs> no, I it's it's not just women, but I really want women to take it to heart that they need to be independent, financially independent and all other ways independent, but financially independent, no matter what position they're in right now, whether they're in a relationship or not, just because the the averages is that you'll have to support yourself. And the older I get, the more I run into colleagues and friends that some circumstance came up where they're having to support themselves and they can't do it. And it's just so sad. And I just want everybody to be prepared because there's lots and lots of reasons you might have to support yourself, but the odds are just that you will at some point have to support yourself. And that is important for men and women, but I see women not take it to heart more than men. So I think my whole thing is to try to get the message to women, please, <laughs> please, even if you never have to use it, that's fine. But have the ability to financially uh, pay everything, have the ability to do that, know it, know you have the ability. Yeah, that confidence. Kind of yeah, and the confidence too. That's, that's a good point, yeah when Lisa and I first started talking and she was telling me she, we, I think we started originally with a list of 10 or 12 of her principles that she teaches her team. And we narrowed it down to the seven that are in the book. And Lisa was relating 
that part of her passion about about getting that message out. And so as we were going along in the book, we we're saying, okay, we, we, we definitely want to get that word out. We also want to appeal to men. And then the story I think really does. Uh, but we've also purposely kept the reason behind, behind how the story is set up that's revealed in the first chapter. We've kept all that silent. We haven't put that out at all. So we'll just let that play out as it goes. But as we've been putting out uh, excerpts of the book, we've been very careful. We want to reveal some things, but we don't want to reveal everything. <laughs> nice. Well, and, I, and I, I, I love that mission, right? I think there's, it's, it's too easy for, for women to be disempowered because of a marriage relationship, because of um, just obviously life situation. They're, they're at a disadvantage, especially raising children and, and doing some of these other things. And, and to have the ability to, to create their own revenue stream is, I, I, in some ways it's revolutionary <laughs> and it shouldn't be right. This should be the norm, I think. And so I applaud you, Lisa, for, for, for wanting to empower women in that way. Um, I, I know it has nothing to do with your collection of husbands. I mean, ex-husbands. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on now. Just cause I have to have them wear football shirts. So I can get them right. Doesn't mean. <laughs> Well, the, well, now I environmentally date. Let's not forget. Uh, all right, all right. We, we, we need an explanation of what is environmentally date. Catch and release. Okay. Oh, right, right. I still go fishing. As a matter of fact, I take a nibble once in a while, but you know what? They're all going back. Yeah. Yeah. One of the See, things are, that I love that the, the story does too, and, and there's there's so much of it that... that uh, in, in a, to a great extent, it's modeled after Lisa. I've got a lot of respect for what Lisa's accomplished in her life. And it was, as I started doing research on Lisa, as we began this uh, collaboration, I was blown away by everything I saw. But one of the really important things for me in, in the story was to portray women uh, in the strong leadership positions that they can, they should be in and to to have a message that doesn't take away from anyone, man or woman, but definitely... Uh, shows things in a very good way about about relationships and mentorship and lisa would tease me every now and then she says how how are you writing this this way and I, I won't tell you on line what i say to her but but it, it men should be able to get, be in touch with their emotions and and to relate both to male and female issues and so it, it was very important I didn't say how are you writing this way i said are you sure you're not a chick <laughs> that's, it. that's what she said <laughs> That's a he was, one I told you. He was trying to let that go by. He was going to go okay, without that getting we'll out, get out of the hand. I, I said, well, every, I, I, could, I said, hey, I could strap on my ovaries. <laughs> <laughs> you may want to edit that out, Robert. I don't know. <laughs> nope. <laughs> that's part of the character you two bring, and that's the book goes it all over. Well, we, we do have a good time and a good sense of humor about life. So It is makes it so much fun. Well, and obviously building on principles that, that work are are so valuable right being able to to use these principles that will actually help somebody and and like you said whatever story you tell around those principles for somebody to to learn them feel them but i love that your focus is really anybody can do this right and 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 so somebody reading the story is going to say wow if that young lady can do that i could do that right Absolutely. and and i think that's the that's the real empowerment that happens 
in this. And well, you uh, think about it, that that message is going to be so strong in direct sales, but also for anyone who's in multi-level or network marketing, anyone who's an independent sales. I was an in, independent insurance agent for 30 years almost, I guess. And so it, anyone who has to be self-reliant, build something on their own, if they follow what Lisa teaches in her team, they're going to be successful. That's just it, pretty much it. Yeah. Well, and, and Jeff, I really appreciate your, your view of, I mean, I think it's scarcity mindset for men to feel like women are a threat to their leadership. Right. And, right. and for, for men to open up and say, no, we need, we need women's voices at the table. We need women's voices to, to be heard. And because the, the true equality happens in, you know, women and men sharing together. And, and I think, you know, we, we really are meant to complement and, and collaborate and, and not meant to compete. And I think the corporate structures created this, this model where men are in these positions of power and, and feel like they have to protect it and hold on to it. And, and, and they're holding on to it against other men as well, but, right. but it really does um, hinder women from getting into those positions, getting into the boardroom, getting into the C-suite. And, and I think, I think we need more men sharing the message that, that says, no, women, we need the women's voices, especially corporations and organizations that are large, because I think the women bring a, a perspective that men will never see. Right. And there are a lot of books out there. I know uh, as I was getting hours ready to, to go out, there are a lot of books out there that where it's women uh, basically writing books about their journey and, and how they got into leadership roles and trying to help other women do that. But I think we're the only parable out there that has women mentoring women and growing a business like that. So as far as I can find, I think we're the only parable out there that does that. You know, I like that it um, shows direct sales the way it does too, because right. There's a lot of women that take, they have a career and then they have children and totally opt out of working and then think that they can just come back in and pick up their career the way it was. And I think that they're um, misguided because <laughs> I don't think you can take time out of your career like that and come back and get the money you were getting. You just can't do it. So with direct sales, you don't have to do that because I certainly, I adopted um, my son 17 years ago and I didn't have to, I mean, certainly I wasn't as as driven as I was when I wasn't didn't have children, but I certainly kept this business going the whole time, and I did that as a single person. So I think it's doable, and not many jobs I could have done that. I couldn't have probably done a corporate job and had an infant. It would have been tough. So I think presenting direct sales that the way we are is going to help a lot of people too. Well, that's. And that's that's what's so exciting about this. I mean, this is this is really not just a a book for the sake of, of writing a book. It's it's a book for the sake of of truly making an impact and and potentially inviting people to an opportunity that'll change their lives. Right. You know, when we were putting this together, the that message was one that we wanted to do. And for your listeners, if they haven't already read the book, they won't know. The two main characters are Belle, the lady with the blue hair, and Kai, who becomes her protege. And Kai didn't want to be in sales, didn't like salespeople. And so we wrote that into the journey because that's what happened with me. I don't know if it's what happened with everybody. I didn't want to be in sales. I have a teaching degree. 
And so that was the plan. And we took a really honest look at how that feels when someone's going through it. And we wrote that into the storyline because, uh, you know, a lot of people have that. Uh, if whether whatever in life has made their opinion of salespeople not be great, it's there for so many people. And this walks through that journey. And I think it does it in a, a pretty good way as far as the emotional touching of it. So. Yeah, I think it um, helps give a different perspective on the direct sales because, you know, us sometimes those people in the corporate world don't envision those parties as, as they're, as they're meant to be. So writing that in and seeing that as a different viewpoint and, and how valuable some of those uh, principles are that we can, that we can just use on our own daily life, but that that's, the, the whole purpose and just a different perspective on, on those parties, I think is very valuable for just, you know, for all of us. Well, thank you for saying that. We'll get, get past the, the, you know, MLMs abuse your family and friends, right? <laughs> yeah, it definitely doesn't do that. And, you know, I, I was, I was in an MLM uh, back in the eighties and I was taught to do it the right way. Just the, the same lessons we teach in the book. And so uh, it was, it, it's all in your mentors and, and uh, the lady with the blue hair has been a fantastic mentor for a lot of people. So. Yeah. And, and that perspective of, of mentors and how valuable that is to all of us to, to guide us on our journey in life and whatever direction we're going to go. Would you each share one of your favorite principles? Oh, I'll let you start. <laughs> yeah. Well, mine of course is the wood stove rule. That's the, yeah, the, um, I live in rural New Hampshire and I have for 25 years or so. And when I lived in the single wide with, I, I guess I should say husband number two, I just say number two, but <laughs> you know, the whole football shirt thing. But anyway, right? <laughs> um, we, <laughs> we, our furnace broke and I had, we had to get a wood stove and we found one on the side of the road uh, for free. And I fought with that thing for years, by the way, but it taught me that if if I wanted heat out of that thing, I had to put some wood in and I had to get the kindling going and I had to get the paper. You had to do stuff before you got the heat. It wasn't just automatic, right? So when I had to think of something to tell a team member, because they would say to me, and I was surprised how many people said it to me, they'd say, you know what, I'll, I'll start investing in this uh, when I make some more money first. So I'll buy books when I make money first, or I'll put it out in the paper when I make money first. And I'm like, it doesn't work that way. You know, that'd be awesome if it worked that way, but you have to treat it like I do the wood stove. You have to put stuff in the stove before you can get something out of the stove. And it was, people immediately knew what I was talking about and it made sense to them. That's why I, I created the rule and I <laughs> use it to this day because I'm surprised how many people still say that to me. When you're a small business owner, you can't just sit there and wait for the heat. You know, you got to put the, got to put the wood in. Nice. My favorite, I'm not going to say because I want the <laughs> readers to get it when they read it because it's to me, it's so hilarious. And when Lisa first told me the rule, I think I laughed for 10 minutes and couldn't stop. Okay. So I'm not going to really tell that one because I want the readers to get it. Uh, my second favorite rule is almost as funny to me as the first one. And it, it's called the naughty rule. <laughs> and it says, I'm, I'm paraphrasing it because I don't have it right in front of me, but it basically says, if you don't get in trouble every now and then, you're just not trying hard enough. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> and the premise, of course, is, is 
it's about creativity. It's about stretching boundaries. It's about trying new things. And uh, in the story of the book, of course, we're very mindful of the fact that my training in insurance, my training in direct sales, just like Lisa's was, okay, we've got a successful system that we know works and we want to be, we want to honor that system because it's very similar to franchising. And if you, if you follow what the system is, you got a higher chance of being successful, but that doesn't mean you can't have creativity. And so uh, creativity only happens when really good and competent people are willing to open their mind and maybe try some newer things to stretch the boundaries a little bit. And uh, one of the things that I wrote into the story is don't let, because that's the way we've all done it, become your mantra. Mm. Uh, Because you you don't want to do that. No growth happens that way. And uh, I will just say it's my second favorite rule. (laughs) Nice. All right. Now everybody has to guess what your first favorite is after they read the book. (laughs) Once they read all the rules, they don't know what it is. So, so Lisa, we, we, I want to, I want to dig into the the naughty rule just a little bit because I think that's one of your trademark, really, uh, almost. <laughs> that, you know, so let's so let's talk about some of your marketing ideas and and things that have really. I mean, we already talked about your you're creating this launch team and and you're getting, you know, nine hundred people. Your goal is to have at least a thousand people um, excited to be a part of it. And, and I think that's, that's just, you know, doing something a little different than most people do. Right. And, and a lot of your marketing ideas have come from things that you just see some big company doing and say, well, why can't I do that? And so would you share a few well, a couple it, of those? Yeah. The naughty rule actually came about because um, I saw, I was on an uh, Avon trip and saw a PT cruiser wrapped with a vinyl ad for Coca-Cola. And at that time I was driving a PT Cruiser cruiser, and I went, oh, I'm going home and wrap my PT Cruiser. And I, when I got it done, uh, the other Avon representatives in my area, the manager came and she said, you, you can't do that. And I said, where'd you see that? I said, you know, I looked in the rules. I didn't see that in there that you can't do that specifically. And she said, well, they're mad about it. And I'm like, well, they can wrap theirs too. <laughs> I don't see a problem here. So um, at the beginning, everybody was mad that I did it, but it certainly has gotten me a lot of business. And now I'm more on social media than in person because I live out in a rural area. But it's funny, I got, I usually I get in trouble and then there's a little time when I'm not getting in trouble for it. And then they make a big deal of it. So at Avon's 125th anniversary, we had a big celebration at Madison Square Garden, and they actually showed my wrapped PT Cruiser on the screen in front of thousands of people. So what originally got me in trouble ended up, (laughs) and I got on the front of a magazine with it too. So I think um, just because someone hasn't done that before, and, and I started doing all that marketing stuff because I'm not a door knocking person. I'm actually an introvert. So door knocking was like having a root canal every day. So I don't do that. Instead, I do enough stuff so people are attracted to me. And the car is one of those things. People come up. Uh, this is kind of funny. Wherever I go in my vehicles and they're wrapped, everyone says the same thing when they come up to me. You want to know what they say? What? Do you sell Avon? <laughs> Well, no, <laughs> right. I'm not sure why that's the line, but everybody says that. To me. I see book number two out there in marketing tips. 
We will be right back after this short break. This episode is sponsored by Perfect Publishing, a different approach to publishing a book. Perfect Publishing carefully chooses heroes of hope who exemplify living a life they created through faith, hope, patience, and persistence. No matter what page you open to in this mini cube of hope, you will find a leader with a big heart. You will see you are not alone. The authors may share similar challenges that only hope and action could resolve. Get your free ebook at getadoseofhope.com. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness. All the marketing tips and marketing ways that you've come across and, and done things in the world and in your Avon world. I, you know, you could do a book on marketing. Oh, I have actually. <laughs> when I first was doing speaking, um, uh, I try to make sure that I'm utilizing all of my income potential. So when I first was doing speaking at Avon Corporate, when I made it to the top of the pay plan, they had me going around doing speaking. And I thought, this has taken away a lot from my actual direct sales business. I wonder if people get paid to do this. And sure enough, I found out people do get paid to speak. So, And then when I went to the Speakers Association, they said one of the main ways people get paid is to write a book. So I actually just wrote one, put it on a little flash drive, walked down to the printers and had them print me some. And I sold 8,500 books back then when I was doing that. So just at the printers in the oh. first the first few thousand were spiral bound even they wow. weren't even anything but to me it's it's um important if i'm going to spend my time and invest my time that i make it not hurt the other areas of my life so it needs to be income producing if it's business related so smart All right. you know, robert uh, lisa does something that that so fits in with what you guys do like the, the your podcast names add value to life and Lisa and I, both in the sales process, we're always looking for ways that we can add value to the people that are involved with us on anything. And, and one of my favorite things that she's done during this book launch process is as we've sent out early copies to people to read and, and we're looking for endorsements and, and all that, every single one of them, she has made a graphic. Uh, bless you. <laughs> she has made a graphic that's got their picture on it. It's got their endorsement. It's got, you know, you know, information about the book at the top, but then it also has their website, their business right under their picture so that we can help drive business to them as well. And so uh, she put these together and we both try to share them like crazy all over social media, but it's giving something of value to them because every time we share that, it helps drive business back to that person who's helping us. And so I, and I just, I love that she's done that. It's one of my very favorite things she's done. Cool. I like it when you like stuff. <laughs> I mean, yeah, one of one of the blessings we've ha received as you know, knowing Lisa is just receiving the beautiful, thoughtful cards that she sends out. Right. Oh, I like doing that. Yeah, I'm a cardaholic. <laughs> you know, I've sent out, I've sent out almost seventy nine thousand cards in the last, I think it's thirteen years. Yeah, and that's that's pretty incredible. All right, well, so we, I know uh, the other the other marketing. And speaking piece that you did, because sales weren't the way they are today. You used to have to carry your inventory and, and have your inventory. And and your way of, of selling that inventory involved uh, a, a U-Haul type truck and <laughs> and trip. So, so I, I want you to share about, about that level of marketing, because I think that's another uh, doing stuff other people aren't doing. You, you mean the 
round the country thing? Yeah. Oh, okay. That that wasn't actually, I didn't have Avon on the truck. I had um, the books that I wrote and I was uh, speaking to other Avon representatives and I had heard this story. Uh, well, I forgot his name now, but he uh, was on PBS and he went around and went to all the radio stations and he followed the antennas and went from station to station to station all around the country building his business. And I thought, you know, I can do something like that. And I, I went and I um, sold tickets myself. And this was before, well, to give you some idea how long ago it was, <laughs> I got MapQuest and was following it like a pirate all the way around the country. I had my printed pages, right? And um, so I booked the hotels and then I sold the tickets word of mouth and I sold the tickets all ahead. And I went from place to place to place. The big giant trip was I did... It was 29 seminars in 39 days or something. It was something crazy. And I had a one-ton uh, truck and went from hotel to hotel to hotel. Now, it's funny. It, it's that principle, what, you're a bigger profit in another land? Yeah, I sold out Oregon like twice. I did 200 seats. And then one on the East Coast, I had two people. <laughs> it was a big learning experience, and it was, it was kind of awesome. I thought I was going to get my chops as a speaker. And what I learned to do really well was be a truck driver. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, a, it's another skill set that you added to the repertoire. No, and I'm so glad because um, there were there were days that I I lost my voice in New Jersey for a little while, and I but I had a portable speaker with me, and I made it through. But and then uh, one time I pulled my back out. That was like in Louisiana, and I I bought a cane at the at the right aid and I'm trying to haul myself up on the one ton to get my stuff off but I didn't miss one I and I I really tried to I can't do many things I can't be smarter I can't be prettier I can't be blonder well I guess I could do that but <laughs> I can make sure I outwork anybody I can work as hard as I can mm -hmm. and so I was just determined that I was going to make that trip successful that mm -hmm. was at the beginning of 2001 actually so it was funny. I was coming on a different run. I was coming back when that whole thing happened, 2001. I was down in South Carolina when that all happened and had to drive my one-ton white box truck, think of this, across George Washington Bridge. <laughs> yeah, that was a little nerve-wracking, but yeah, that was... A, Can you guys see why she is the perfect person for a book like this? Yeah, it's just yeah. amazing to me. It's... it's, she, it's it's a kind of work ethic and a kind of um, commitment to finishing what you've got going that everybody can learn from. So it's just, it's been a yeah. joyful collaboration. I, I've said that on numerous occasions. So, You know what I like what Jeff did too in the book is he, uh, Bell doesn't try to get Kai into her company. She wants her to do what's best for her. And talks her through the process because I think that's important. I think too many people don't look at is the other person what's a good fit. They just try to make them a good fit for what they're doing, and that never really works. Each person needs their own fit, and and the industry has so many options that we should all want what's best for the other person. And there's going to be some of them that are a good fit for me, for my company. And I think if you look at it from that point and just don't try to just shove everybody in your own company, the world would be a better place. And I love the way he wrote that in there. 
Well, I, yeah, and I think, I mean, you and I recently talked because we we were talking about the send out cards and and how powerful those are. But the majority of of your growth in your business now is coming from people that that have met you but didn't sign up necessarily, and and now they're the opportunity is still open. And, and so for you, it's 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 never a ooh, closed book on on the people that you meet. Everybody is has potential to if they don't work with you now that they could possibly work with you later. And I think building those kinds of bridges and serving people in for the long term is 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 a lot more powerful than um, the the sales idea of of oh they didn't buy for me cross them off the list. <laughs> Well, you know what I'm I'm one of the things I'm most proud of is that I like to think of myself as a connector, like in the Go Giver book. I've had people probably weekly call me and say, Do you know somebody at the top of Tupperware? I want a good mentor. Do you know somebody that's big into Prince's house? And I do. And I connect them. I don't say, no, you know what? You ought to do my thing. <laughs> I don't, I, cause that's not, that's not, you should be hoping for the best fit for that person. And if that's what they want, I still can be of service by connecting them with someone I know. So I, I think that's important. And I'm so glad he wrote it in that way. Yeah. It's all about relationships, right? Yeah. Well, I also love that Jeff shouts out both the Go-Giver Marriage and, and Go-Giver <laughs> series. Those are because obviously both fantastic uh, foundations. So so now what, what's your favorite principle from, from the Go-Giver or one of the Go-Givers? Hmm. Probably my favorite in that is your your true worth or your true value. Excuse me. Your, your true worth is how much more you provide in value than you take in compensation. And it's not to say that you're giving away the farm. That's not what it means. It means that everything that you do that you that you earn an income on, you also do things above and beyond that people aren't used to. Like mm -hmm. when I was in the insurance industry, I I developed a network of referrals inside my own clients. And I'll never forget the first time that I went in. And I learned that, quite frankly, from reading Endless Referrals, which was the how-to book that was later turned into The Go-Giver. And I, I went into one of my clients after reading that book. And I said to them, you know, I wanted to get 20 minutes of the, the owner's time. He had a mortgage company in downtown Dallas on the 23rd floor of a building. And uh, I told him, I said, you know, I'd like to get some time with you. And when I sat down with him, I said, the first thing I want to do is thank you. I said, you're my client. I make my living. I feed my children. I feed my family because of what I do. And your, your company is a part of that. So I just want to thank you for, for doing that. And he, and then I, he, of course, we, we had a little conversation. I said, and now what I want to try to do is I want to see if I can return that favor. And I said, I've run into people every day. I've got sales contacts I'm making. I've got current clients. I'm running into so many people all the time. What question do I need to be asking them in order to know if they would be a good referral for me to send your way. And because that was a value above and beyond what I was getting paid for that I wanted to provide for him. And I always, I'll never forget that he had his glasses on at the time. And he said, he took his glasses off the table and he leaned back in his chair and he did this. And I thought, okay, what's about to happen here? And he said, I'm going to answer your question, but before I do, I got to tell you something. And I said, what? He said, I've been in business 30 years. I've had salespeople ask me for referrals all the time. You are the very first person in my business life that has ever asked me how you could refer business to me. Thank you. Mm -hmm. 
that kind of intrinsic value above and beyond the actual transaction of sales is, and I learned it again from Bob Berg's stuff. And, and uh, the, like I said, it was before the go-giver came out, it was just endless referrals at that time. But learning that literally, it changed my direction in my career. I was a district sales coordinator with a Fortune 500 insurance company. And uh, as a district sales coordinator, I was, I was kind of average. I would make my quota one year, I would miss it the next. I wasn't in danger really of getting fired but I wasn't doing a great job either. And uh, my, my state manager at the time, a guy named Frank Davies, on January, the, my first week of January of the year 2000, I can remember it exactly, he gave me two books. And he said, I want you to read these two books. And I said, Frank Davies, I'm a grown man. I'll make the decision whether or not I read those books. Let me see them. <laughs> they were two books. One was John Maxwell's 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, which is one of the best leadership books you can have. Nice. And then the second one was Endless Referrals by Bob Burke, who I did not know at the time. But those two, I, I went from being an average district sales coordinator in 2000. I became a regional sales coordinator in 2002. And I became a state sales coordinator in 2004. And that, I did my last 10 years with that company as a state manager. Nice. There's a lot of value in also just understanding the, the value we can get from other books and keep reading. You, you mentioned book after book after book. And there's, I mean, there's just a lot out there that we can learn from. Absolutely. All right, Lisa, what's your favorite principle? Oh yeah. And I don't have the principles memorized. <laughs> you can wing it. You can wing it. No, I, th I think that, and I don't know which principle this, this ties into, but um, it, it's like nails on a chalkboard. When someone says to me, I don't get paid to do that. Or I'm not going to help people because they're not in my downline. That that drives me bananas because to me, the company is paying me a boatload of money to be of service. So that includes actually going to convention and letting everybody take my picture and sign in the things or whatever it includes. It doesn't just include waiting or servicing my own team. It includes all of it. So um, to me, it's that's the value that I get. That's why I get paid what I get paid. And it's my job to figure out how to give more value if I want that check to go up. It's not just mathematics about how much we're selling. It's how much value I'm bringing to the whole company. So I, I don't know which one that goes in, which rule. <laughs> but that, that was important um, to me, the whole concept of that. And I like being in the Go-Giver Success Alliance because to be around a whole bunch of people who feel the same way about this as I do has been invaluable. It, it's been hard, I think, to be out here on my own feeling this way <laughs> and not necessarily have like-minded people around me like I do now. So this has been awesome. You know, there's something that Lisa mentioned earlier about how passionate she is about mentoring women about women, women, <laughs> about mentoring women and getting them to, to be able to grow into their own independence financially, even if they're in relationships. And it brings back one of the, uh, the you guys are very familiar with, with uh, John David Mann and Anna Gabriel Mann's book, The Go-Giver Marriage. One of the principles they talk about in there really illustrates exactly why that same message is so valuable for couples, because they don't talk about for a real marriage to work. You really have to have some individuality in there where you have two people who are growing themselves. They are building their, uh, their value inside themselves. They're, they're doing the things that they want to pursue that they have passion about. And then it overlaps 
And that overlapping part where they're each other's biggest cheerleaders and they're, they are supportive, that can become the greatest relationship, including the greatest marriage in the world. So couples out there, uh, of course, I highly re I recommend that book all the time. But as you get your copy of Said the Lady with the Blue Hair, in, mentally in your mind, if you're in a, a, a relationship uh, with another person, put that together with the go-giver marriage. Because I was talking to Anna Gabriel Mann this weekend, and she said, you know, we almost named it the go-giver relationship instead of marriage because it's, it's in every relationship. And so, but when you pair that in mind, you think about this is perfect. And it really would, wouldn't matter if it's a man or a woman, even with the principles we teach and said the lady with the blue hair, it will create that, that individuality that's extremely successful and overlap. And they have just, it, it'll improve every relationship. So. Oh, absolutely. I think, I mean, having you know, served in ministry and been a pastor and counseled many couples, it's amazing to me, the number of couples that are expecting their needs to be filled by by the other person and 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 when you let go of that and and you focus on on how can i make them better instead of instead of what can i get from them it it changes it changes the dynamic of a relationship and and of course the crazy thing is as soon as you start doing that instead of instead of you know begging them to satisfy your needs or or make you the you know make you a better person they actually do that naturally. <laughs> and, and and it's always that, that there's always this crossover period of, but, but if I give that up, well, how will my, how will my needs be met? <laughs> right. And, and the truth is they will be because you're both growing and, and both wanting to do that. Just like Lisa's wanting to serve other uplines and downlines and other people in other industries and other places, because her heart is of, of service and not how am I going to get paid? Or how am I going to get my needs met? Right? It you you understand? I mean, I think it's really shifting that difference between scarcity to abundance to to recognizing that there's lots out there, um, both financially but emotionally that that will come back to you um, right. when you start to put other people first. And I think there's value in the unseen mentor relationship. I mean, there's plenty of people. I mean, we see it a lot in, in, in parenting that our kids are always watching. They're seeing stuff. But even in business and, you know, in a, in a world like yours, Lisa, I can see that there's lots of women that are watching you that you're not necessarily mentoring directly. Mm. But how you react and how you serve gets seen by hundreds, thousands, you know, many, 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 many people. We hope millions. Right? <laughs> yeah. And, and that just they can watch and learn from you without ever actually being in direct contact. You know, it was funny what I, and I considered this a giant compliment at the time as I had somebody come up to me, I believe it was over in the UK and I was speaking at an event and she came up and she needed an interpreter and um, her color skin was different than mine and she needed an interpreter. And what she wanted the interpreter to tell me is how much alike we were. Oh, she said, I felt so she said, I felt so connected with you because you and I are so much alike. And I just thought that was such a big compliment for, you know what I mean? We, and she needed somebody else to tell me because we don't look the same and we didn't speak the same. And yet she felt we were so much the same. And uh, I, I just love that. Well, that's fantastic. Obviously, giving is, is a big part of who each of you are as, as individuals. So how is giving a part of this, this project and, and, and what you're doing with, 
with your book launch? Well, in the book launch itself, uh, I, I, I'll let Lisa go through the things she's doing there because she's doing so much. But one thing that, that we both try to do is we both try to interact with the community a lot. We want them to see us in our real authentic warts on smiles off kind of way if they need to. We want them to be, uh, we, we want them to be that kind of experience. We want them to look at us as family. Obviously even in our group, I even posted pictures of my uh, daughters yesterday. I didn't even know it was national daughters day. It makes me a bad sure. dad. I know, but, I, but I, I posted pictures of them at different ages. And, and I will tell you for me in, in the actual book project itself, it was, it was the significance of me to take lessons from an, another person in sales that I just truly admire and take those lessons. Yes, part of it is me coming through, but it's really pulling me to a subservient level in that and taking those lessons, imagining myself, okay, I've heard her teach those lessons. I've heard her talk through those lessons and just put myself, okay, if I'm sitting here teaching with someone, how would I, how would this, how would that conversation go? And then that's how I wrote most of the dialogue was in that mindset. But it was, it was that experience for me of, of trying to provide that value for Lisa also was one of the most rewarding things for me. And I think that's the way the whole go-giver mentality is. We get a lot of great business context from what we do, but we also get the intangible of, of how it makes us feel to be that kind of a person, I guess. So now I'll get out of your way because you're the magic when it comes to the law. <laughs> well, so uh, the, to me, um, I knew we would need an army of people. That's, that's been true almost every project, I think. Um, and that's, I, that'll be a second rule though I'm saying, but yeah. the success kind of like that. <laughs> the success rule is you can be successful at anything if enough people know what you do. And to me, every time I've had a project that has worked out, it's because I involved people to the extent where they felt we were all doing it together and they had ownership in the project. So as far as the launch goes, what I'm trying to accomplish is that when they look back on this a year or two down the road, they'll be saying to themselves, remember when we did that book? Remember when that book came out? We all were part of it. And aren't we proud that we brought that book to market with these guys? So we're not necessarily the stars of it. We're all the stars together. We're all bringing this book together. And some of the way I'm thinking, I'm every day I'm thinking, how can I do something that's either a a see, a touch, a feel, you know, like the wristbands are, a, you can feel them and you're wearing it and we're all in this together like a club. And I put recipes up because that's a taste thing. And I found out what our song lists were. He and I, oh, I, this is funny. Um, we have a Spotify song list. <laughs> we, we find out these things about each other and it's like, we like a lot of the same stuff and we didn't know it. And I don't know about you, but it's kind of freaking me out a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I had like, I had no idea that uh, Jeff like Garth Brooks at all. And I'm like over the top with him. It didn't make the Spotify list because he Garth Brooks doesn't allow that on Spotify, his songs. But when I saw his list had five Garth Brooks songs, yeah, yeah, I went crazy for that. But the fact that we're sharing parts of our self, I think, helps 
other people know us better. And I don't know about you, but I like a band once I know the story of the people in the band better. And I think that's true of the book too. I think for them to understand us a little bit and to share parts of our life with them, it's it's going to make them like the characters better, like the story better, and understand the principles better and feel part of it. Uh, that's the thing is I want everybody to feel like we're doing this together as a, as a team. I, I think I, it's becoming a cause. And, and I, I think I, the message in this is so strong and, and uh, the 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 way we came together to make it all work is just pretty amazing. But the lessons are going to be the kind of thing, the story is going to be the kind of thing that I think is going to change a whole lot of lives. And I'm, I'm hoping that the group and then everybody who reads, I'm hoping that in their life, it becomes a point. It becomes a, a, a shift and, and it becomes a cause that that helps them so much that they can't help but talking about it to other people. And that's, that's, that's what we've tried to accomplish. And I think, I think it's, a, I think it's a good shot. Absolutely. What were you going to say? Uh, oh. All right. So now you get to, to leave us with, with each of your words of wisdom. And uh, of course, besides, you know, go out and get your get your copy of Said the Lady with the Blue Hair um, and, and look for that in all the ways to buy it. It'll be in the description, of course, and, and we'll make sure the links, links are available. And uh, so besides go out and get a copy... <laughs> And ten copies for your, your all your friends. <laughs> Christmas is coming. Leave us with your words of wisdom. Uh, I, I think I'll let you wrap it up because I think you're the main focus of of the project. So I will say words of wisdom. Uh, find something that you want to do that you could be passionate about. Passionate about that will also fit into the values that you hold most dearly, whatever those values are. Mm. If you find something to do for a living that fits that, you're going to be way more successful than if you have to uh, go do a job or pick something that that either conflicts with your values so you can't spend the time doing those things that you want or it, or it, uh, or it just doesn't line up for whatever reason. Pick something like that, and what you'll find is you're going to be way more successful. Uh, you'll be so successful, you can be braggadocious about it. <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> I said that. Wait, Lisa and I were doing something, and I said that on the, her show, actually. And uh, I'm, a, I'm an old Georgia redneck. I, I live in Texas, have for 30, 30, how, was 20, 33 years now. But I'm originally from Georgia, and I'm proudly a redneck. I'll just be honest. About it. But uh, I said braggadocious to her, and she said, I've never heard that word. Yeah, no, she has, and she's, she's, she's kind of braggadocious now herself. So yeah, I want to get it on a shirt too. <laughs> might have to yeah. might have to go around. That's a big word. It's a big word, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, instead instead of redneck, we prefer uh, southern gentleman. See, that's that's the thing right there. Southern gentleman by day, redneck in the evening. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Okay, the the thing I'd like to to leave everybody with is is. It's funny how some things that have made a big, huge difference for me in my life were things that I said yes to that I, I didn't know at the time would make a, would be a big deal for me. Uh, and at the time that I said yes, I didn't always do it. It didn't always feel comfortable. I didn't think it would work out. A lot of things like that. There was one time way back, which was um, 
Avon asked me to do a video and I was still living in the trailer park. I did not feel successful. I happened to be at the top of the pay plan, but I was not feeling successful. And they sent out a team. I was in their video called the rich and famous of Avon changed my life. I still get recruits today from that video back in, when was that 1990 or something like that? It was way, way back. And another project like that is this book. I mean, when when Jeff said that, I fought him on it and I shouldn't have. I should have said yes immediately. Uh, I just kept thinking, do I want to spend that much time with blue hair? <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't I didn't realize what I was doing. I should have said yes immediately. And now I'm so glad that I, I did, because there's just some things that you should just take a chance and say yes on. And collaborating with somebody like like Jeff is just something you just should say yes to all the time because it could make that much difference in your life. Absolutely. So I, I just want to say thank you, Lisa and Jeff. It's been an absolute pleasure um, chatting with you today. I will tell everybody who's listening to go get the book and a box of Kleenex because between the laughter and the queers, you're going to need it. It is absolute fabulous read and you're, you're just going to love it. So thank you guys for sharing with us today. Thank you for having, having us. us. If you enjoy the show, Please like, subscribe, and leave a review. If you're struggling with stress, feel like life is out of control, run out of time before your to-do list is finished, well, we have a gift for you. Stop by addvaluemindset.com and claim your free gift today. In our next episode, Amy Silvis and Robert talk about building a business by design around her own health issues. Amy shares about the power of coach and wishing she'd had one sooner, but found value in each of her failures. She also studied how the mind works and training your brain to see the positive creates more opportunity.